Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Um, today, Randy, we finally come to the end of our rather long series on uh, Matthew chapter 5 and uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I think I have been surprised, actually, at uh, how many shows we've actually done based on this one chapter. Well, especially since we weren't, uh, there wasn't a conscious effort for us to stretch this out by any means. No. It has just kind of uh, unfolded, if you will, uh, into... Uh, in my eyes, a, a pretty uh, interesting series. Yeah, well, I think there are those that would consider this to be, you know, one of the most, if not the most important chapters in the Bible. I mean, it is, in fact, where it's almost entirely the words of Jesus. And uh, when you think about that, uh, where else and what other chapter of the Bible do you get as many concentrated teachings from Jesus as you do in this chapter? Right. And I'll be honest with you, there are some uh, sections of this that are difficult, you know, uh, as as we've seen. You know, when Jesus is really uh, calling us to a, a standard uh, of love that, that, you know, many of us uh, don't gravitate toward uh, very naturally, for right, sure. Right, right. And that is, in fact, one of the themes of our uh, verses today that... Uh, I think there's going to be some things which Jesus is calling us to do here that are certainly things that uh, we will not feel like doing, uh, but we can make a decision to do it. Well, there there are more challenges, aren't they? I mean, they're they're uh, he's teaching us, but he's also kind of giving us direction while at the same time challenging us to come through. Yeah. To. Uh, well, let's get into it, and maybe yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll I think see, it, uh, I think it'll be um, easier to understand once you've shared the passage. Well, that's right. People are wondering, what are you talking about, Mark? Right. You haven't read the passage yet. So here it is. It's Matthew 5, uh, beginning with verse 43 through verse 48. So Jesus says this, uh, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. All right, so uh, like I said, this is challenging because we are being called here to love our enemies and to pray for our enemies. The first thing that I think we need to uh, establish is that in the New Testament, there are generally four uh, words that are used for love. Uh, the, uh, th there's the the main three that I think the average Christian knows about. Eros, which is uh, a form of uh, physical type of love, and generally we think it uh, refers to um, uh, sexuality. It's uh, the root word of the word erotic, obviously. 
I'm not a big fan of uh, Philea right now because uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Philea Delphia Eagles beat our Vikings this past Sunday, but Philia means uh, brotherly love, sisterly love, the kind of love we feel for friends and, and so forth. And then finally, um, agape love, which uh, is the divine love, the, uh, the love that uh, is uh, deeply spiritual in nature. There's a fourth, ergain, which uh, is the verb to love um, your family. Uh, so there's uh, family love, erotic love, brotherly love, and uh, uh, spiritual love. So um, the, the form of love that's used here in this passage when Jesus is talking about love your neighbor is, in fact, um, um, the word agape. So, um, and it's the verb uh, agape. And so when, when Jesus is commanding us here, we are to love our neighbor and our enemies both uh, spiritually and even love uh, those who uh, persecute us. Wow, this is this seems to be such a timely subject for us as we are all kind of caught up in the elections that are going on because mm. this particular election seems to have so much controversy, mm. so much venom. <laughs> venom. There's a lot of venom in the air, yeah. and and just the whole concept of loving your enemies uh, because these two candidates certainly appear uh, to be more enemies than they are uh, companion. You know, um, well, colleagues, colleagues, friends, right, uh, right, respectful adversaries. I do think, and we'll get to this a little bit later. The election cycle we're in right now is uh, highly discouraging, but God has a plan, and uh, uh, it's not the first time, uh, I think, if we were to actually study some of our earlier presidents, uh, that we have seen the country has survived uh, some uh, terrible leadership uh, historically. I'm not going to name any names, but uh, there are a few examples of that. Well, I'm, I'm, not afra- I'm not afraid to admit that I've been spending a considerable amount of time recently praying for the outcome, uh, praying that God has a plan, because there's, at so many turns, so many days, these debates get over, and I just, you know, you you feel compelled to break into to prayer and just say, Lord, I know you have a plan for us, and uh, please, I, I pray that you, in time you'll reveal that plan to us. Well, that's exactly right, and I think one of the challenges, which was one of the controversies right now, is, you know, will you support the winner? you know, even if it's not the one you wanted. Uh, And uh, I think this passage would tell us that whether we like the outcome of the election or not, uh, we certainly need to be praying for our next president. And uh, I think we have to add very quickly here, verse 45, which uh, Jesus says, you know, you you are to love your enemies, love those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You know, as some of the listeners know, I've been fascinated as I've gotten into this whole chapter and some of the linguistics of this, which, you know, to be honest, is a little bit uh, deep and obscure, and you have to know some Greek and, and uh, in some cases, Hebrew as well. And uh, But this one is a, is a rather, I think, uh, easy one to understand that in uh, Hebrew particularly, there are not as many adjectives. Hebrew does not have the the realm of adjectives like we have in English. So the term son of was literally used to mean you would have the qualities of whoever you were the son of. So when Jesus is saying here, so that 
you may be sons of God. What he's saying is that if we love our enemies and show grace toward those who are our enemies and show grace toward those who persecute us, then we will be more godlike. And when we start thinking about the qualities of God, isn't that who he is? Jesus is kind of clarifying. He says, you know, God is not the kind of God who shows favor necessarily to the righteous. He makes it rain on the fields of the godly and the ungodly, um, that kind of thing. So, and of course, you know, Jesus has come to uh, obviously uh, obliterate the sins of, you know, all the evildoers and the sinners out there. So, like so many times in this, this chapter, God, through his son Jesus, is challenging us to be more like him. Now, we're going to come back to this in the second half because there's a second part of this that I think is absolutely challenging. But for the moment, I guess i just like our listeners to think about, you know, someone right now, and this is, you know, we try to relate this to recovery, and there's no one in recovery that I've ever known who at some point does not have anger and resentment against people who have hurt them historically, whether it's their own families, uh, their communities. You know, many of our uh, clients are abuse survivors. I mean, they've had terrible, chaotic um, abuse in their lives. And um, this passage is really challenging us to be more godlike. Eventually, I think, in terms of, of where we uh, come out on that. Sometimes when I'm in, somewhere in my head preparing for the show, uh, I like to think of uh, stories that illustrate this point. And uh, I remember one of the most uh, powerful uh, speeches that I ever heard uh, back when I was in graduate school uh, was we drove over to Des Moines to one of the big churches there, and uh, we had a chance uh, to hear Corey Ten Boom before she died. And uh, as we all know, maybe, I don't know you know, if I'm just old, but Corey Ten Boom was the member of the family that had the jewelry store that in their upstairs apartment had uh, a hiding place, and they would hide Jews there. And they, they did, in fact, save uh, some Jewish lives uh, during um, the Second World War. Uh, and eventually, uh, the Germans caught on to this and uh, um, incarcerated Corey Ten Boom, and her mother and sister both uh, died in the concentration camps. Corey Ten Boom uh, was relating the fact that at some point later in her history, she was at a social gathering and actually ran into the uh, the German guard, who was uh, more or less responsible for the mistreatment and uh, the eventual death of her sister and mother, and. Uh, uh, I'll never forget the way she described it, and she described it so emotionally. Um, she said, I felt like God was pushing me in the back to go up to this gentleman. And uh, the fact that she used the word gentleman, I, I thought was really interesting. And uh, she said, I, I just felt like I had uh, no choice. I, I was getting pushed in his direction. And uh, she came up to him, and he was obviously had a fearful look in his eyes, and she said, God just gave me the words to say, I forgive you, is what she said. And uh, she said, I'm not so sure that somewhere inside of myself I meant it, but I did know that God wanted me to say that it. That was the message that God wanted her to deliver. That's right. And uh, 
when she was talking about it, even at that speech many years later in Des Moines, Iowa, um, she was full of emotion. And she said, you know, gradually I understood that, you know, the anger and bitterness and resentment that I'd been carrying in my heart was literally eating me away. And uh, I think it was just as liberating for me to utter those words as it was for him to hear, to hear those to words. Hear them. And uh, I think, you know, that that was uh, just a, a, an absolute uh, wonderful testimony. I was also thinking about this book that was popular a number of years ago called The Shack, in which uh, the father in the story whose daughter has been abducted and murdered um, actually goes and visits the man who did it in prison and uh, actually ministers to him there in the prison. And when I think about that, I mean, if somebody had uh, abducted one of my children and murdered them, I just... Uh, just don't know if I'm, I'm capable I'm of that. I'm um, not sure that I'd be capable yeah. of that. Well, and what we realize, I think, though, is that we would be incapable of it if we're not willing to invite God uh, to help us with it right. and to at least seek uh, to be more godlike. That's only possible through God's intervention. That's right. That, that's obvious. Well, Mark, let's take our break right now. And when we come back from the break... Uh, we'll continue this discussion, and uh, I'll be eager to hear if you have uh, any uh, translation uh, pearls of wisdom from Dr. Barkley on this passage. Uh, I'm sure you've got more to say on it. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, uh, we've already mentioned it, actually. Um, uh, we were sitting around at lunch today trying to figure this out, and uh, I think we decided that uh, the trigger of the week uh, is not so much a sexual one uh, as it is an emotional one, and uh, I think we were just deciding that this election cycle has just exhausted all of us. Uh, the venom, the hatred, the, uh, uh, the accusations, uh, the feelings that I think many of us have that, you know, there's not a clear 
choice. Uh, there is a choice, I think. And, uh, you know, it's just been emotionally, mentally exhausting to listen to some of this stuff go on. I mean, I was listening to one of the debates the other night, and it was I, I had to turn it off after about five minutes. It was just so highly contentious. Um, so, you know, the gist of a trigger like this is that when we get emotionally exhausted, uh, it's a trigger to want to uh, somehow medicate ourselves and uh, to do something nice for ourselves, whether it's to practice some form of our sexual addiction or some other addiction. I mean, you know, the phrase driven to drink would, uh, I think, be quite applicable to this year's yeah. election cycle. So anyway, that is our trigger of the week. It is time kind of sensitive, so people might be listening to this at some other time and we'll know the results of the election, but uh, uh, it's been quite exhausting. Well, I thought it was a, uh, an appropriate trigger, uh, especially with today's message. I, I think that it kind of goes hand in hand with, with uh, what you're sharing with us today. Yeah, so uh, to get back to our verses uh, for today from uh, Matthew 5, uh, just to summarize the earlier part, um, there is this great challenge to love our enemies and those who persecute us, and that uh, that is to be a spiritual love. Uh, we are to be, in a way, imitators of God, I think. We are to seek to be more Godlike. We are to be sons of God, uh, Jesus tells us, and that means we are to be more like God. And I think Jesus is clearly indicating to us, and this is part of the word study, that this is more an act of will sometimes than it is an act of feeling. We we very rarely will feel like this, but uh, we can decide to do this. And I do notice in our practice here that there are times when we are just challenging people to make a decision to uh, to forgive and to treat other people kindly, even those people who historically have hurt us. So you mentioned Dr. Barkley. Well, let's come to verse uh, 48, which is uh, short and uh, also very challenging. Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Uh, Now, does that sound impossible? Well, I I certainly think it is uh, for us as mere mortals, uh, because uh, to the best of my knowledge, there has uh, ever been only one perfect individual, and that was Jesus. Yeah, so this is where uh, the translation of uh, the Greek word uh, becomes very important. Uh, the Greek word is telling, which is the verb uh, to be perfect. Telos um, is the noun, perfect, and uh, Telos means to have the end in mind. Uh, so, and telling means to always consider the purpose of what you're doing. What is the end in mind? So when, when Jesus is telling us to be perfect here, he's not telling us to be perfect in our English sense of the word perfection, to never make a mistake, in other words. He's telling us to be like God, who always has the end in mind, who always has a plan for our life. And uh, our job is when we become more perfect like God is to um, focus our lives on um, the end in mind and um, the purpose for our life that God has for us. Am I making any sense there? Well, you, you are. And it's, uh, you know, it's always so revealing when you dig into it like you do there, uh, because I think that it's necessary for us to understand the translation of it to get the true message of, of what he's saying. Yeah, that's right. So 
I'd like our average listeners to know that in teaching this, we are not advising them to seek perfection. That that gets us into black and white thinking about what is right and what is wrong, and that that creates arguments and that creates challenges which are impossible. Um, Jesus is teaching here um, that we should always seek to have the end in mind. What is the purpose of anything that we do? And are we relying on the power of the Holy Spirit, I think, to instruct us on what is God's purpose and plan for our life. It's a lot of what we've talked about on this show before uh, with the word vision. Uh, what is our vision? What is our end in mind? I was just, before I came down here to uh, record the show, um, had the marvelous opportunity to teach by Skype to a class at uh, Liberty University out in Lynchburg, Virginia. And uh, I've always enjoyed doing that because, you know, the students are always so gracious and respectful and they're always eager for knowledge. And um, I think the great thing about electronics these days is that I could literally be projected onto a screen where I'm sure I was at least as large as life, if not larger. <laughs> and, which, and there's a part of you that just loves that. I love that. <laughs> There's a nar- this. narcissistic part of me that loves Here that. Here I am on the, on the silver screen. On the silver screen. Uh, and then the camera can be pointed at the class so that I could actually see them as well. And uh, it wasn't quite the same as being there, but it was the, the next best thing. Uh, and I'm having more opportunities to do that all over the world. And, um, you know, given some of my health issues this last year, I think it's uh, an absolutely great thing. But well, once again, God is coming through, you know, as we continue to remind ourselves on a daily basis when we seem to have these roadblocks that we run into, mm-hmm. is, is you and I are both very good at reminding ourselves that God has a plan. Right. You know, and although your your travel plans have been cut way back, mm-hmm. then along comes these these opportunities. Right. You know, and these opportunities sometimes just pay off tenfold as far as the results in the end, as far as uh, the people you're reaching, the lives that you're impacting, uh, all of this type of thing. And it's uh, it's always so uh, exhilarating to when we just get little glimpses of what God's plan is for us. Right. That's yeah, that's right. So, and the reason I brought it up is not to talk about being larger than life on the screen. <laughs> but um, uh, the last question uh, by the professor, who's a good friend of mine, uh, Dr. David Jenkins, uh, who's a professor at Liberty, uh, just a really great man, great guy. Boils his own peanuts, and whenever I see him, he always has peanuts for me, uh, and they taste like no others. I'm totally. That's because he's already sucked all the chocolate off of them. Well, thank you, Randy, <laughs> for that. Uh, geez, all right. Back to that's an old joke. I'm yeah, sorry. I know it is. Back to the, back to the, uh, the reason I brought up the story about David. David's last question to me today was, "What is your vision for the church uh, in terms of the field of sexual addiction? You know, what would you like to see happening in the next uh, number of years? And you know, how might these students here who are in their, you know, training phase of their lives how?" Uh, might they be impacted by that? What might they do? How could they contribute? You know, the kind of, uh, you know, really practical question that I think could be, you know, helpful to the students. And uh, so I don't need to get into all of it, but I was uh, kind of um, listing some of the challenges I saw for the the church as we, uh, the local church is what we're talking about now, the parish, the 
the local congregation and what do pastors need to do. And uh, I think we have great challenges in terms of uh, our youth groups these days. I mean, there's rarely a day that goes by that uh, we don't get calls about 12-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 16-year-olds looking at pornography and so forth. Um, and, you know, we definitely need to develop more materials and teaching and helpful resources uh, for that age group. Our singles is another population that I think is largely overlooked in uh, the average church. So, you know, I, I basically was, you know, just challenging the students that uh, if you should decide to uh, have a vision, you know, to be in this field, um, get more training and develop more materials and you know, have ministries in your local church and uh, help people have fellowship and accountability and all the kinds of things we teach here. And um, what a wonderful thing that would be because I think the average person going to church has uh, kind of been locked in a cycle of secrecy and shame, and uh, we need to open that up more. So that's partly, you know, my vision for the local church. But but what Jesus is teaching here is to be perfect like God so that we, we're always to be asking the question, um, is whatever it is we're planning to do, whatever it is we see as some of the next steps in our life, is it in fact consistent with God's calling plan and purpose for our life, the end in mind. What does God want us to do, and how can God use us in that kind of thing? So, And I know that people who have a great vision uh, for their lives, um, that in terms of our field, uh, that floods a person with uh, full thoughts and godly thoughts, uh, as opposed to the historical fantasies they've had about things that they envision might, you know, heal some of their issues. You know, I can guarantee you that if we pursue God's end in mind, God's telos, God's uh, plan for our life, and we we put all of that solidly in our mind, uh, we won't have any time for all of these other selfish things that we've created for ourselves. And we hope that our listeners have uh, enjoyed this study that we have conducted over the many weeks on the book of Matthew, and uh, we hope that you've been left with a, a sense of hopeful thoughts, godly thoughts, uh, and the challenge for us all to attempt to be more godlike. Um, you've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host. We hope that you have enjoyed this, this series on Matthew, and uh, we hope that the coming week will be a week that is filled with many blessings and with great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at FaithfulandTrue.com. That's FaithfulandTrue.com.